Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael and Chauncey Show. Good evening, America. Welcome to the Michael and Chauncey Show. I'm your one of your hosts, Michael Bloomy Jr. I'm here with my distinguished uh, partner in crime, Chauncey Brown III, uh, former le- uh, local legislator in his uh, his local community. So so exciting to have him with us. Um, especially somebody with his wealth of knowledge and experience, coupled with uh, what we're bringing together to bring the conservative talk radio and bringing the real voices to the American people. Uh, We have some amazing guests tonight. Tom Norton, who's running for U.S. Congress in Michigan, one of my colleagues. Um, As everyone knows, I'm running for Congress in Florida. And also we have Joe Collins running against Maxine Waters in California. So uh, his his primary is actually coming up here in March, so we're going to have him in the second segment of the show later on, and we're going to bring Tom on in a few minutes. So with that, uh, we you know what? we America is at a crossroads right now. We have a duly elected president, Donald J. Trump. I was on One American News Network this morning. I was also on America's Voice News today, and I was talking about how we have a duly elected president who – in the House of Representatives in U.S. Congress, we have Nancy Pelosi and the uh, nefarious characters, uh, Adam Schiff and the rest of these um, clowns who are trying to bring these falsifications about a phone call with Ukraine trying to gain support for a country that's close to Russia who also happens to be trying to influence our elections, who did so in 2016, and now they're trying – you know they're going to try with China in 2020 – because they do not want Donald Trump, our president, in to be reelected. So you know these things we are facing. So he's starting off with it, uh, with someone to have a great conversation, start off a great, and as, as our president said, it was a perfect call. So with that, you, you know what we're dealing with, but these articles were delivered. The, the trial was going to begin in the U.S. Senate, and I just pray personally that Mitch McConnell does the right thing. I agree more, Michael, that uh, it is a shame that we're at this point in our U.S. history where we've seen the divide so great between those in the Democratic Party against Donald Trump. And now with this trend itself, but the the ironic thing is that we have the trial coming up. Uh, There is no evidence. There's no factual witnesses. It's only hearsay. I mean, we saw this whole thing unfold for three weeks in Congress, and they delivered nothing. So I hope that they don't waste much of the taxpayers' time. I hope they, they're thorough and uh, they do it expeditiously so we can get back. Another good news today is that uh, Trump signed the U.S.-Mexico uh, trade, which basically redoes NAFTA, which is sending our jobs across the country, was done today. Very, very lucky blessed to have President Donald Trump in office, uh, putting in more conservative measures. Uh, maintaining the security of our country. Uh, he just signed a, a, a bill or something the other day uh, with protecting our religious freedoms. Uh, we need. This is the stuff that our country was founded on. We need a president that's going to put America first, and we finally has that, have that president, and we're proud to have him. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, but those articles were held up in the House for way too long. And then also it took – I mean this whole impeachment is taking over. How are anything anything getting accomplished in U.S. Congress? I mean honestly, one of the things that I believe is that nobody, if you can't get the job done or you can't balance the budget, you should not be able to collect a salary. How do you collect a salary when you're not doing your job? So we're caught up in this impeachment whole hoax. And how are people getting paid and getting, you know, to do a job that they're not even doing? But I really love what Rand Paul came out uh, about the mm-hmm. impeachment. He said, "Look, if anybody tries to go against what's happening here, there's going to be severe consequences." And, and you know what? I support that. Finally, he, Rand Paul is finally stepping up to the plate and doing what he's supposed to do, and, and to support the cause of the conservative movement. And what that means is we have to protect our constitution and we have to protect. The individuals who are citizens of the United States of America. If we look at Governor Northam right now in Virginia, 
what he's trying to do, declaring a state of emergency in Virginia. You know, of all places, Virginia, he's, he feels that he's threatened, and this is just, it's a, it's an absolute disgrace. And, and he's a racist, as we know, as he dressed in blackface. And people, he shouldn't even be the governor of Virginia right now. I actually met him when I was work, running the veteran program for the state of Virginia. And some of these people that are in these positions, they just get away with things, and, and I can't understand it. And he's a pediatrician. That's what his job was in the military. And so how does a pediatrician all of a sudden become an expert on uh, taking guns away from law-abiding citizens? Oh, and that happens to be in the Bill of Rights under the Second Amendment that that now shall not be infringed upon. The laws that party only hurts law-abiding citizens. You can't legislate morality. If a criminal is going to commit a crime, routine are not going to stop them. Uh, more laws are not going to make our country safe. Um, you know, we have a mental health problem in this country. Opioid and fentanyl crisis. We need to address issues uh, head on, which the left has ignored. If we looked at Nancy, Maxine Water, we looked at districts. There are shambles. People have garbage, feces, the whole nine, and then they're up in Congress uh, acting like they're holier and thou. You know, uh, we have to eradicate this, and that's why we need people like yourself uh, um, and Joe that's going to come on today to Congress, okay, to keep steering the ship in the right direction that Trump is trying to lead us in. And with everything against Donald Trump, he's still working, still getting the job done for the American people. Donald Trump has gotten more with American people than this last session of Congress, the last two or three sessions of Congress since he's been elected. It's a shame. They have done nothing with infrastructure, nothing with prescription drugs, nothing with health care, nothing with immigration reform. Their whole mantra is, what can we do to change Donald Trump? And it's sad. It's sad the victual that they had for the president, who was an American president. And as we saw a week ago with the the death of uh, a terrorist, uh, Soleimani, uh, we had Democratic candidates running for office saying that it's a shame. Donald Trump killed a top man official. Are you kidding me? He killed over 600 Americans. And a week or two before, they just killed an American contractor. And they invaded our embassy. I mean, what do you have to do to stop no matter what Donald Trump left it unhappy as an American patriot, I'm very happy with the job my president's doing. I know as well as you are, and we have to do it every weekend to keep supporting. Yeah, what it comes down to is a couple of things. First of all, our former president, Barack Obama, takes – and I was talking this on live national TV today – takes um, our, our military planes. He puts money on it, unmarked cash, and delivers it to Iran. Iran then takes this money and puts it in the hands of terrorists such as Soleimani and other people. They go. They become an enemy of the state and combatants in Iraq. They're, they're basically killing American soldiers who then are coming back on the same American planes. Our dead servicemen or men and women who sacrificed their lives are coming back on the same planes that Barack Obama used to ship these cash that was used to kill our American troops. How are we not uh, trying this uh, Barack Obama as under treason? How is this not an act of terrorism? I want to know this, and I think it's something that we – I'm going to talk, continue to talk about on my platform running for U.S. Congress, but I cannot understand how this is not – no one sees it this way. And the people that do, we're being silenced. We know that we're dealing with um, you know, being censored, and I think it's important. That's why we have this show here, the Michael and Chauncey Show, and you can uh, contribute to the Michael and Chauncey Show on Patreon.com. Really helps us to expand the show and, and to help us to move forward. But these are the kind of things that are happening. But then we have the, some good news on the front, even though we're dealing with the impeachment and we have, you know, all these uh, people around the world. And, and as far as Ilhan Omar coming out and saying she has PTSD because of what's happened into Iran, listen, the Iranian people are being persecuted. Okay, so if anybody, the American people have sympathy for Iran, but we do not have sympathy for terrorists and people who want to kill um, innocent people. That's not acceptable. And so with that being said, if, if she's suffering from PTSD, I'm suffering from PTSD because we have a member of U.S. Congress who – member of our military and contractors and intelligence community under attack by terrorists, 
and she's actually basically saying I have sympathy for them. That actually is a huge problem, and if anybody should have PTSD, it should be the American people that we have to deal with that. Before we bring Tom on the show, I just wanted to talk about how Obama has a pallet of cash, taxpayers' money. What was the quick? Now, Donald Trump wants to protect the American taxpayer dollars, and basically he withheld aid, which he didn't. He released it right away once they were notified, and even you said that, no, there was no no, there was no delay in the money, yet they're trying to teach him on something that is false, false narrative, versus Barack Obama, billions of taxpayers' money to a country that supports terrorism, and what did we get back for it? More terrorists. And I'm glad that Donald Trump has stopped this. I'm glad Donald Trump is looking out for the American people and the American taxpayers. And for once, we have a promise made. Promises kept the lead from Barack Obama. Amen. And let's bring on Tom Norton and get his take on current affairs and his uh, election in uh, Michigan. Evening, Mike. How are you both doing? Good, Tom. Hey, Tom. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It's a pleasure. No, thank you very much for having me on. You actually got me just at the end of public comment in Calhoun County. We introduced the Second Amendment sanctuary counties that are going on here in Michigan, a resolution to the board. We're hoping they vote to put it on their agenda at their next meeting at the beginning of February. So that's what I was just finishing up doing. So it was it's it's interesting to watch what's happening. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting that things that interesting things that are happening in Michigan. It's really important to highlight those. I know you have a you're in a district that that you should be able to win, and you're battling hard to do so. Why don't you talk about um, some of the things and the challenges you're facing and also some of the current events that you see are, that are relevant, not only in your district, but around the country and the world. One of the things that's happening in our district, there's a real awakening amongst the conservatives throughout the entire country. And I think that the Democrats are actually losing blue dog Democrats, uh, pro-union Democrats, people who actually believe in a traditional American value system that they used to have a, at least a portion of. So that's what I think is happening in the 3rd District. And the reason behind that is because of how far to the left the Democrats have gone. They've literally become a socialist party is what has actually happened. So by doing that, they're shifting these districts further to the right, and they don't realize it. If you look at some of the polling going on, Donald Trump is starting to gain traction in all over the place, even in Virginia, where they have the Second Amendment sanctuary counties. It looks like it's leaning Trump now against almost every Democratic nominee. Then the other thing that's going on is when you have Donald Trump getting attacked for attacking Iran, you have the Democrats coming out of the woodwork to defend a nation that helped fund the terrorist attacks in the United States in 2001. That's what's happening, I think, is happening in our race and across the entire United States, is that Democrats are getting exposed for really what the majority of the base of the party is, which is un-American. We are against this is Americanism versus socialism at this point. Yes, yeah, socialism is definitely on the rise, and, they, and the walkaway movement is in full swing. And a lot of people are understanding the truth, and that's what's important. And down here in Florida, I think a lot of people are sick of the same old, same old. There's a lot of corruption down here in South Florida, and I think people are tired of the establishment candidates. And that's why we need candidates in Congress who serve this country and people who want to make a difference and to do the right thing. And that's what, you know, when you're in the Congress, you have a job to do. That's why I support term limits, because we need to have these limits on the, the amount of power and influence that people actually have that are connected to special interests. This is very true. Term limits would help, and if we're going to really do that, what we should probably look at is even a rotating term limits, so that when we have a good representative, we can bring them back. Because that will give us the ability to fight the special interests even easier. If we have some weapons, we can pull out of the closet. I agree. So, Tom, tell us about uh, when your primary is and and what's your grassroots movement. I see that you have videos out there. You're trying to educate the people and to preserve the Constitution. Our grassroots campaign, we actually dominate now. The Tea Parties in our district are still very strong. For instance... The county I'm in right now, the Calhoun County Tea Party, has 120 active members. That still go out and knock doors. That's, that's an army in one county. 
you got Barry County, a 65 member show up, and that population is like half the size of Calhoun. That's an army in that county. And then you get up to Kent County, and that's the biggest county in the uh, the district. That Tea Party's a little bit more deficient, diminished about 50 or 60 in it. But the kicker part is when you get into the Trump groups. We now dominate all the Trump ground game organizations throughout the entire third district. I think there's only a handful of them that aren't on our side, but we have over 80% of them. So by doing that, we have the grassroots movement. On top of that, the videos that you're talking about, 80% of those videos are viewed in the third district. We've had over 2 million people reached in the third district and 1.2 million engagements. And again, 80% of that inside the third district, all the way down to those numbers. And we're breaking almost 5,000 actual Facebook likes. And on the likes, we're at 95% in the third district on our likes. And then on top of that, when we cross it with primary voters, 88% primary voters. And we only have 50 people overlapping. Which, which when you look at it, in a six-way race, 60,000 primary voters, we're already 4,000, not including our friends and relatives are bringing to the ballot box. So in the grassroots and the social media, we've built a different style of campaign that's working. And when I go to a restaurant in the 3rd District, we have people who look at me and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, you're Tom Norton. And most people don't recognize who's running for Congress. And we've been able to accomplish something very, very different. And as a matter of fact, you've seen those videos. They see the evidence behind my head, and we're picking off Democrats and educating voters. And I agree. That's a great philosophy. I'm trying to do the same thing down here in Florida, District 21. Now, both of us served in the United States military. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of veterans are coming back here. They're having a difficulty transitioning. Our President Donald J. Trump has done a great job trying to um, help our veterans assimilate back into society and, and to, to work on VA reform, things of that nature. Um, I, I fully support VA reform so that we can go ahead and do the right thing for our veterans and make sure that they're getting adequate health care. Um, but that all American citizens are getting adequate health care. So when you look at Obamacare, uh, you see a lot of uh, you know gaps, and you also see where he lied to the American people when he came out and said, oh, if you like your plan, you can keep it. We found out that was an absolute lie, but there's no accountability and transparency. Mm-hmm. When I get into Congress, that's one of the things that I would like to really work on um, and be a part of a solution on is accountability and transparency. I think the American people need to know more than what they do know when it comes to federal spending, and that's why we need to be fiscally responsible so that our premiums are at a minimum and and the American people can have a better quality of life. What is your stance on uh, veterans, and and how can we really help to get them into the position to really help the workforce and economic and workforce development and also write great legislation or enforce current legislation to ensure that our veterans aren't committing suicide and their, their families are staying together at home. Here in West Michigan, we have something called the West Michigan Veterans of Marriage. I'm a founding board member. We focus on suicide prevention, getting veterans back on their feet. The reason why veterans commit suicide is they feel like they're hopeless. All the tools are taken away from them. Society doesn't want to work with them anymore. They're actually isolated from society. If we're going to help veterans, what we need to do is make sure that we are having classes on how they can function in generalized society. In the same token, we need to toughen up generalized society so that we can actually kill political correctness. Veterans didn't have a problem prior to political correctness having the rise on them. But if that's the culture we're going to live in, we're going to have to give them the tools to succeed. So that's going to be the steps that we're going to have to actually take. And through that, what we have to do is allow veterans to choose their doctors. So they go to the VA, they get registered. But if they're over a period away from it, we need to make sure that they can go through and choose their doctors if it's too far away from where they live. By doing that, we're going to be able to make sure veterans have the best health care humanly possible is what we should be able to accomplish. So, And then when it comes yeah, well, to generalized health care, because that was the other part of your question, generalized health care, we need to make sure that patients have actual choice in their doctors. we got to get away from the HMOs that Obama made powerful. Put it back to the general practitioners that we used to have. We need to allow people to purchase health insurance at a bulk rate by forming a co-op for the sole purpose of purchasing insurance. That's illegal right now. Most people don't realize it. The other thing we got to do is allow purchasing of health insurance across state lines. So, like, for instance, I'll pick on the unions for a second. Let's say the UAW has a health insurance plan that you would like to buy into on the private market. 
the union would be able to actually put the health policy on the private market, and you could purchase into it from any state in the union if I remove the state border lines. And then on top of that, that will drive down costs because the competition is everywhere. And then the other thing we need to do is make health savings accounts cap-free, remove the caps, allow them to be inheritable within the family, and make it so you can't pull it out for general funds so we don't have tax loopholes in it, but make sure that it's inheritable so that your kids are taken care of from your health savings account. If we do that, we'll be able to drive down health care costs, take care of our families and our children for once, address veterans, just by reforming the entire system to make it more about us and our families and our doctors. Absolutely. Quality care is really important because we, um, we do have a, a lot of citizens, and, and as the population incre- increases and continues to grow, we need to be aware of these things, especially for the next generations. When it comes to VA reform, what I really support is, you know, outside of being uh, polytrauma and behavioral health issues, regular veterans, they need to go into the community and be able to choose their own doctors. They shouldn't be forced to, to utilize a doctor that may or may not be there on the continued basis. And also, like you mentioned, the length, the time that it takes them to get to the VA, if they have several appointments a month. A lot of people in Congress, they don't, they don't have to go to the VA to get their care. So they don't understand what their veteran is going through and the frustration that they may be facing. And I think it's really important. Another thing about Michigan, and uh, we have a, a few more minutes here to talk with you. We have Tom Norton on the lines running for U.S. Congress in Michigan on the Michael and Chauncey show. One of the other things is that with, uh, with Michigan, a few years ago, um, it became a right-to-work state. And I think that was a great thing. You were talking about unions, and I believe right to work is, is a, a natural progression of, of the American people and being able to really empower people to go out. You, you give them the skills they need to hunt and fish, and then people can make a choice for themselves what they want to do, whether they want to be an entrepreneur, they want to work for a business. When it comes to unions, they could be in the union if they want to. They don't want to be in the union. I, used to, I was in several unions um, in my life working for the federal government. And in and, and places that um, you, you were exempt, you didn't have to be in the union or you weren't allowed to based on your position. So there's various factors there. But really, when I get into U.S. Congress as well, I want to support right to work across the United States because people should be able to choose for themselves. Where do you stand on that issue, Tom? I actually fought for right to work in here, here in Michigan. But two key players in it was uh, Norm Hughes, who just passed away a couple months ago. He was a dear friend to me and a uh, great mentor. The other guy was Trucker Randy, who's actually the chair right now over Second Amendment Sanctuary County. So I've been in the fight for a long time on issues like this. When we go sit there and push for a national right-to-work thing, the one thing that we need to do, because right now most people don't realize there's a Headley Amendment. There's multiple, from campaign finance reform to unions. But in the Headley Amendment, we need to reform it so that when you're paying union dues, you're not paying for somebody who chooses not to be in the union. So I, w- I am fully in support of national right to work, but we need to reform it. So if you pay union, don't pay union dues. So if you decide to opt, opt out, the union shouldn't be responsible to defend you. And right now, now under the Headley Amendment, the union is responsible for defending you when you're not paying union dues. And as a conservative, that's not fair either direction. So if you're going to opt out of the union, you need to make sure that you're not going to get the, all the union protections. So you're not getting the same benefit from it. And if you opt into the union, you get the union protections. That's how it should work when we do right to work and go to Washington. By doing that, I think we're going to bring in more union voters as Republicans. And I think even Republicans can agree that's fair both directions. Absolutely. I agree. A lot of these issues we're facing, um, especially I was talking before you came on about Ileana Omar and how she's trying to say that she has PTSD over Iran, which is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, But the thing about it is this, is that the, the BDS movement has to be stopped. When we have people in U.S. Congress that are openly supporting legislation that they're, they're uh, labeling under free speech, and then you have the right to assemble on college campuses, and then you have free speech zones, it's like, what do you want? Do you want free speech? You don't want free speech. You want to uh, destroy uh, Israel. You want to take away their sovereignty. What is it? Where do you stand on those issues? Because these are things of, of national security that are very, very important. And I totally 100% against 
anyone terrorizing anybody. People should be able to be free, and that's what's so great about the United States. This isn't the Middle East. We don't have rockets and bombs going off, and we should be no. preventing our neighbors and our allies from having to go through the same things. Israel should not be under constant attack. They already went through the Holocaust, so the Jewish people, Christians who are being persecuted around the world, they should be, you know, we should be taking care of them and ensuring that they have safety because that's a big uh, threat here, especially if you've seen in Munson, New York recently, the attack on the Jewish people. And you saw in Squirrel Hill, Pennsylvania, where a shooter went in, and, and that's where I grew up in Pittsburgh. So, you know, you see these things happen, and you start to wonder well, how much hate do you have in your heart? that you want to bring this amount of uh, anger towards another human being just because they want to believe something. And, oh, by the way, our Constitution of the United States under the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, the very first thing is religious freedom. That's what our most precious gift and what makes us an American is really all about, that are we have these freedoms. Mm-hmm. The, when it comes to what Ilya and Omar and them are talking about, about these free speech zones, here's the deal. If you're a college... If you're any type of campus and you're getting any form of government money, I don't need a free speech zone. You are now part of government property at that point. Free speech must be protected from all sides. It doesn't care matter if we agree with them or disagree with them. And if you're accepting those state funds, the right to peacefully assemble should always be there. The right for, a matter of fact, I agree with CPLs being allowed on these college campuses with people who are trained to use them without a problem. I don't understand how the colleges can restrict that when they're receiving federal money. Because, by gosh, I think if these people who had CPL training were on those school campuses, on those college campuses, we wouldn't have the Sandy Hooks. We wouldn't have any of these things during these free speech zone demonstrations. The Democrats have proven every corner to be more violent than the Republicans. Look at Antifa. You look at the groups, but the press is going to sit there and suppress, no pun intended, on what they're actually doing. So if we're going to have these free speech zones that they want, it better be reciprocal both ways. From a Christian church showing up to do a protest and actually go out there and evangelize all the way over to a liberal group going out there and saying whether they hate God or not. But they should both be allowed. They sit there, and the Democrats want to talk about this nation as free, free, freedom, of religion, freedom of religion, but they want to treat it like it's freedom from religion. When a private group wants to come on a public property like that, and hand out Bibles, they should have a right to. That is a real free speech zone. Not defining what free speech is or is not, but allowing for both sides to constantly go at it. And if any campus is getting government money, there should be federal legislation protecting everyone to having that right of freedom of speech. It's not just about like the Second Amendment going on with us as Republicans. It's about every measure of that document that is stained in the blood of veterans being defended from beginning to end. And a lot of these things are inciting violence. If you look at, we were talking about as well, Governor Northam, who's a racist, uh, dresses a blackface and everything else. We just can't stop saying that. People like that do not should not be in office in any political arena, whether it's state, local, or, or national. Um, but on top of that, you know, it's like you know he's trying to call a, a state of emergency at the Capitol in Richmond, Virginia. I have a lot of friends there, and it's like you know we saw what happened in Charlottesville a few years ago, and it's like these things are enticing violence, and then you have nefarious characters who are coming in, and they just want to cause trouble, and so people should be allowed to go and assemble without being harassed, you know. Trying to take away people's guns, and it's just absolutely ridiculous what's happening in our country and the amount. Again, it's just the level of hate that we have in this country that really makes it so difficult for people to really, you know, like a Jewish person should not be afraid to walk down the street with their yarmulke. And I was at a Judeo-Christian meeting last night in my district campaigning, and someone had to take their yarmulke. People are actually in 2020 afraid to walk down the street because they're being targeted. I don't believe any mm-hmm. American should be targeted. I mean, what happened to no. our you know, Judeo-Christian values of loving your neighbor? And, and you know, These are the core principles Correct. I think we need to get back. There's always going to be evil in the world, but we have mm-hmm. to get back to these core principles. And so, Tom, with yeah. that, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You have a great uh, knowledge base. You and I connect very well on a lot of these issues. Uh, I, I know that we're going yeah. to be supporting each other as we get closer to the general election, and I look mm-hmm. forward yeah. to a lot more opportunities for us to partner together and speak out and work together in uh, U.S. Congress together. So, Tom, thank you so much for coming on. 
Thank you for having me on. Anybody can go to Norton for Congress, the number four, N-O-R-T-O-N, number four, congress.com, contribute. People donate 10 bucks a month, and we can get a couple thousand people doing that. We're going to be able to flip a lot of congressional seats. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Tom. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Yep. God bless. Bye. Awesome interview. That was great, uh, Chauncey. Having uh, uh, Tom on, he's very, um, very knowledgeable and educated, and uh, on a lot of the issues. And uh, Michigan is a key state uh, for the next election coming up in, in November. So, uh, with that, I believe we have Joe Collins on the line, and uh, you're going to be able to go interview him. Any thoughts with the, the interview with Tom Norton to share with the American people? I think it was very, very informative with his military background on what he shared about protecting the government. Uh, he was a wealth of knowledge. We should definitely have him back on the show. Uh, I hope our listeners were listening to him, and he's a, definitely a patriot, a person that we need in Congress to protect our Constitution and the values uh, that we stand for in America. Absolutely. Our next guest is running against Maxine Waters. He's a friend of mine, Joe Collins. He's been raising an enormous amount of money uh, to, to fight <clears throat> off this uh, socialist movement that's happening in our country and within these Pelosi puppet uh, who I'm running against, Lois Frankel, who's also a Pelosi puppet. So we can put Maxine Waters and Lois Frankel and a whole bunch of these other people in the same bucket. And uh, we need to take them down as quickly as possible because they are coming for the Constitution and they are serious. They mean business and they have a plan. So with that, Chauncey, I want you to bring Joe on and I'm looking forward to your interview with them. Joe, are you in the studio? I am definitely in the studio. How are you? <laughs> Good, Joe. We have Joe Collins in the studio from the great state of California that's in trouble, running against Maxine Waters. We need you in Congress bad, Joe. Talk to us. <clears throat> well, yeah, absolutely. My name is Joe Collins. I'm a U.S. Navy veteran. Um, you know, I heard you had the veteran on the air, the, the last the last uh, candidate and uh, we're doing a lot of great things in our community. Um, as everyone knows, South Los Angeles has been an underrepresented area for a very long time, so now it's time to change that. We need new leadership, new fresh leadership with new ideas to uh, come back and, and help rebuild the city and help make California great again. You know, Joe, I couldn't agree more. Uh, as a child, my aunt lived in Watts, and I used to go spend the summers out there. And uh, after I got married, uh, my wife became a flight attendant. And up until about 15 years ago, my aunt told my wife, stop coming to Watts because it was too dangerous. Uh, wow. what, what, what happened uh, to, your, to that district is really a shame. Uh, it was beautiful for me to spend my summers there and to see the gang violence and see what's going on now uh, really is dear to my heart. And I'm really thankful that we have somebody like you that wants to fight to turn that around. <clears throat> what are some of the uh, issues uh, that you want to address uh, in your district that I know there are a lot? And then from there, we'll jump off. Uh, what are some of your ideas when you get in Congress for the American people? That's a good question. Some of the issues that we face in our district are the homelessness. Obviously, that, that is mm -hmm. almost number one. And uh, another issue we have is the lack of jobs. Jobs are leaving California. They're leaving South Los Angeles with a quickness because of taxes. Another issue we have is the education. We have among the poorest education in the United States. Another issue we have is the relationship between the law enforcement and the communities. And one issue that most people don't think of, but I think is becoming a really big issue right now, is building generational wealth for families. And so whenever I decided to run for Congress, I wanted to work in a district as if I was already in Congress. So I brought these issues to my team and I asked them, what can we do about this right now with me not being in Congress? And so we've been able to put together a ton of programs that we're implementing into our district right now uh, in my private citizen capacity. And so we have a program that uh, I work with another organization with that is sponsored by NASA for our high schools and our colleges, and, and they're going to be giving these students internships if they meet the criteria for the summertime. We also have an entrepreneurship course uh, for high school students as well to learn how to start their own businesses. 
I also work with a few of the economic development departments in the Chamber of Commerce for the different cities that I'll be representing because I want to find out through the redevelopment of the cities and through the use of opportunity zones, thanks to our president, what can we do? What type of businesses do you want? What type of opportunities do you want to bring back? And so when I find out what they want to build or what type of jobs they want to bring back to South Los Angeles, when I campaign across the United States and I meet business owners who can fit these qualifications, I make that connection because I don't think that you should wait until you get into Congress before you start rebuilding the city that you're from. You have to be the change that you want to see. So these are a few of the things that we're bringing to our district what makes it a lot easier to campaign and raise money to continue to bring value and, and add a, a higher quality of life for the people who already live in our district. Joe, you are a classic, not a classic, but you are an example. I want to thank you for your service to our country, but also want to thank you for identifying issues and tackling issues prior to getting an office. If more Absolutely. people had that type of belief and integrity and wherewithal to make the commitment, look at the problems, and address it. A lot of our problems would be solved without getting to Congress. But my hat is off to you. You have demonstrated leadership already in your capacity uh, as a public citizen, as a former officer in the military. Now, what are your plans for the American people on a larger scale? My plans for the American people on a larger scale is to utilize the programs that the president has already put in place in order to, to rebuild not only my city, but the entire country. I mean, we have, and not to be redundant, but, you know, we have the Criminal Justice Reform and First Step Act. We have the Opportunity Zones that the president is putting billions of dollars into black communities. We have the president putting a lot of money into the uh, HBCUs. Like I want to use these oppor- I want to use these programs to create more opportunities, to create more uh, black business owners to create more value for the minority community. The same things that the Democratic Party has been promising us that they failed on for the last 80 years is what I want to help the president bring back to our communities because I feel like we have been under underrepresented for the longest time and it's time for that to change. We need to have a stake in what's going on in the United States. Uh, for from a foreign uh, international relations aspect, I think that the approach the president is using is good when it comes to not being in a rush to send our military into um, potential war zones to economically squeeze a a country until they you know get their act together and want to work with the United States and with other uh, major powers across the world to to have a global peace. That is awesome, and I commend you uh, on what you want to do. Uh, I had the opportunity uh, in New Jersey to serve two terms as a commissioner of education in the third largest city of New Jersey. Uh, Talking about jobs, talking about education, even in the most poorest areas, not only what Chicago, Detroit, Baltimore, L.A., we can go on and on. Education is going to be the pivotal part. And what role do you think education should play on the federal level? What can you do? Because we know right now that the liberal agenda is being indoctrinated in the educational system. They've taken out school prayer. They've taken out the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, so how do we work on including civic responsibility, statesmanship, uh, you know, being proud of America? How do we bring this back? How do we bring back America first within our educational system? Any ideas on that? <clears throat> Uh, the first first thing we have to do is we have to start making our education system competitive again. And the reason why I say this is because our children right now are way smarter than what we were 10 to 15 years ago. You know, and so a lot of people, they get discouraged with, with school because it's not aggressive enough. It's not competitive enough. And, and like you said, we have an indoctrinated system to where we – keep our children in a box instead of allowing them to express their own personal ideology, their own personal beliefs, or even have their own personal expressions of who they are and what they want to accomplish as, um, as a young adult. But we, ha- we have to get our schools back in line with the, with the federal statutes and, and get back in line with the, with the federal constitution because I don't know about uh, – 
PA, but I know down in California, the school system, in my opinion, is shot. We have poor education. Our students are not getting the required materials that they need because we have tons of unions that are sucking the money from the school systems. We have our children being taught a an agenda, um, a, a sexual education agenda from a, a homosexual or transgender perspective. And in my opinion, I don't feel like that's what children need to be learning in school. And so we, we have to revamp our whole entire education program, and we have to ensure the states are in line with the federal education program, because if not, we are going to continue to have a decline in the quality of education throughout the United States. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's ironic that you mentioned about the sexual orientation they want to impose and have imposed, even in the state of New Jersey, uh, about someone's sexual uh, sexual orientation. You know, on the heels or beginning of uh, celebrating the history of Martin Luther King, he always said that I hope that our children be judged by the content and character of their being, not by the, the color, sexual orientation. And it seems like the left has turned that upside down with uh, the direction that Martin Luther King tried to take this country in. And it seems like what they're doing now is undermining the fabric, the moral fabric of America through our educational system. And with, like you said, with the indoctrination of this liberalism, socialism ideology, our kids cannot compete globally in this society. We're not raising and teaching our kids to compete globally. Globally, you're right. We're keeping them in a box, and we need to unleash that potential, and that's what America is about. What do you think the latest, the hot issue right now that's going on, what do you think about the the House with the articles of impeachment transmittal to the Senate? You know, what do you, what do you think about that? What is your perception of what's going on here? Uh, my perception is I, I'm, I'm a person who likes to sit back and watch, and so I do reserve judgment on the process, on, on how they're doing it. But from my personal perspective, I, I think – you know, they. I think. I think they cannot find anyone who can beat the president of the United States, our current president. I, I haven't seen any Democrat, uh, Democratic presidential candidates who have the potential to win, and so I think they made a premature judgment in even starting the articles of impeachment, just like they made a premature judgment um, before ending the articles of of impeachment to send it to the House. I mean, to send it to the Senate before getting all the evidence that they need. And from listening to the, the the senators on their perspective on this phase of the impeachment process, they, they have a point. Their job is to see what they have and make a judgment based off the, the evidence and information that was provided. And I feel like the Democrats in the House who push for the impeachment know that they have a very weak case. It's a very weak case. They provided no fact witnesses. They have provided not even the whistleblower. He hasn't even been, um, you know, recognized. His testimony hasn't really been brought out. I don't see any way that, it, you know, our president is going to be removed. Uh, I think it's a waste of time. Uh, yeah, you know, Congress uh, has had no factual witnesses, no direct contact witnesses, only hearsay witnesses. And even like you said, the whistleblower, we don't even know who that person is. It could be a phantom person where they met, exactly. you know, it could be somebody that Adam Schiff made up because you're right. We don't know who it is. I hope it doesn't go to a trial. You're absolutely correct. They should just look at the evidence and vote up or down. But once again, mm -hmm. you know, Congress is trying to disobey the Constitution and try to influence the outcome of the Senate trial. It's ironic that they are hypocrites. Okay, they talk about Donald Trump of obstructing Congress, and now Congress is trying to obstruct and trying to dictate the rules to the Senate. And I think the American exactly. people, and I think the American people are wise, and they're looking at this. And I think that personally, Donald Trump is going to be reelected by a landslide, and I think he's going to go down uh, as one of the greatest presidents ever in the history of our country. You have to remember, uh, he, will. he might be too young. You might be a little too young to remember, Joe, but, you know, when I was in college, Ronald Reagan was the president, and Ronald mm -hmm. Reagan faced the same challenges as Donald Trump is. 
The Republicans went against him. The the mainstream went against him. But he still rose, and he still worked with all the odds against him. And look what now. Now he's looked at as one of the greatest presidents in history, and I believe that Donald Trump is going to do the same. Uh, Do you have any of now? We have veterans that are homeless, and I know that you're very passionate about veterans that are homeless. Uh, did you say that you implemented programs to assist veterans, or was just on the business side and development of young people at this point? So right now what we want to do, because part of the issue that we're having with, with the homeless situation is that we understand that we have uh, homeless homeless people who have mental illnesses, but we also have homeless people who can't afford to live, you know, based on their, their retirement or their Social Security or their disability, and we also have homeless people who can't work because there are no more quality jobs. And so the first step that we're doing to combat this is bringing quality jobs back to South Los Angeles. Now, when it comes to the mental health aspect, we have to urge the, we have to urge the California uh, to reopen the mental health facilities where people cannot check themselves out prior to the completion of treatment. I think that the ACLU sued the state of California for holding people who have mental illnesses inside mental health facilities prior to the completion of their treatment, which is why we started to have an influx of people on the streets with mental health conditions. Now, one of the issues are when when the lawsuit is over, nobody ever offers any other help to these people. And when they do, you know, they, they regress back to what they know, which is drugs, um, which is the, the violent tendencies that they have, and, you know, back to their mental health status, and that's a problem for our city. So what we have to do to start, what, what I'm doing to start in my personal capacity is bringing jobs back. Now that we start bringing jobs back and getting people to work, uh, then we can combat the mental health crisis that we have right now. I hope that when you get to Congress that mental health will be one of your top priorities because just like you stated, mental health is a critical issue. Most people that are homeless, most people that are drug addicts or the substance use problem, it's all because of a mental health issue. And I think once we Absolutely. say that once we make in America mental health a priority, really mm-hmm. making it a priority then we might be able to see changes in our society. But you're right. And, and it's, I'm, I'm very shocked to hear that the ACLU took the state of California to court and that it got to kick these people out. With, like you said, what is the transfer of treatment? What is the option once exactly. you kick them out? Where do they go? And basically, you know, uh, the ACLU, you're putting these people more at risk. So exactly. uh, I'm, I'm glad that you've identified that. And mention that uh, because it is very, very critical. Um, if people want to volunteer to you, if people would like to donate, uh, how can they reach and contact you? So the best way to contact me is through my website, JoeCollinsForCongress.com, and a four is spelled out. So JoeCollinsForCongress.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Collins for Congress four three. And on Twitter, I'm Joe Collins 43rd. And you can email directly through the website. I, I respond as much as I can. Okay. All right, I appreciate it. You know, we really thank you for coming on our show today and sharing a wealth of knowledge. We hope that you come back. We know that you have a primary battle, I believe, in March coming up. Absolutely. Okay, and you know so- the crazy part about it is, we have a um we actually gonna be having a forum on the twenty ninth at Holman uh Home United Holman United Methodist Church in uh South Los Angeles and hopefully if Maxine Waters shows up we'll be duking it out. I hope so. Uh she needs to go. Uh she is there for herself and her family. Uh there's nothing that despises me more than self serving politicians who are not serving the public good. And once again, I want to say thank you for standing up for our country as the military. I want to say thank you for standing up as a citizen to try to save your community. And once again, I want to say thank you for wanting to represent the people, not only in your district, but America, by standing up for running for Congress. God bless you, and God bless that the work that you're doing. And will you the best of luck from the Michael and Trump All right, show. thank you. Thank you. God bless. 
Thank you so much, Joe, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Michael. Yes, sir. That was a great interview. Uh, Joe's doing a lot of great things, and uh, you know, and that's why we need more people in Congress who who served and who are in the uh, who served in the military, like Joe and I have, because we need to bring that level of expertise. And that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to debate my opponents in the primary, in the general election. Laura Loomer, Christian Acosta in the primary. Anybody, I give you an open invitation, 24/7, 365. Doors are open, ready for that debate to talk about any issue, any place, any time. And then, of course, against Lois Frankel in District 21, who's a lifetime politician who has also been supportive of our impeaching our president, our duly elected president, Donald J. Trump. So we definitely have to get these uh, nefarious characters out of office. And I, I can't wait for the debates because that, that's where the rubber meets the road. The American people can actually listen and what you're going to change and what you're going to do and how your policy and platform differs. But the key thing is, is once you get into office, that you don't become a rhino or um, be involved with the system as soon as you get someone trying to shove some money in your pocket. For those that are tuning in, you're listening to the Michael Chauncey Show. I'm your host, Chauncey Brown. My co-host is Michael Blooming, Jr., who's running for Congress in Florida, I believe, District 21. We're always right, never left. We have people on our show that are on the ground that want to serve the American people and the public good. And we're thankful to have this platform to share with the American people the reality of what's going on the ground with the American people. We're cutting through the fake news media, and we're bringing it to you live. So I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. You could always follow us at Liberty Today USA on Twitter. You also can follow us at the Michael and Chauncey Show on Facebook. Michael, we have a few minutes left. <clears throat> Yeah, there's a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. I was doing some research during the time, just so the American people know. These are things that are just helpful pieces of information. We talk about education reform. Education reform is my second platform item that I want to bring to the American people in the district and also Washington, D.C., because I think what we have to do, we have to tie in education reform into job creation, and that's really important because right here, our literacy rates in America are at 28 of 214 nations. So a lot of people are like, well, what is a literacy rate? Well, our literacy rates have been going down for the past 30, 40, 50 years. So that means the American people have getting dumbed down. Well, why has that? The digital age, is that one of the reasons? There's a lot of many different factors. But what it, the literacy rate is based on the percentage of people age 15 or older who can read or write. So we're ranked 28th in the world. We're the most powerful. We have all the technology. We have all the information. But people don't know how to write cursive in school. When I grew up, I grew up cursive in school. I'm 41 years old. I'm, a, I'm pretty much a millennial. I don't know. How, I mean, people don't know how to write cursive after me. I don't know how that's possible, but they don't. Um, there's a lot of other different things that are, you know, that people aren't learning, like history and civics. These core competencies about what America is about, and then you have this uh, information that's omitted. Uh, for example, my children are 15 and 13. They'll be 16 and 14 this year. They, don't, they weren't even alive on 9-11. I was serving in the military on 9-11. I was in Germany uh, working on a user exercise with all the officers. I was a non-commissioned officer in the 1st Infantry Division. And my children don't even know about the September 11th. They're, they're, they're teenagers. They should know about that. I mean, you know, we try to pass that information on, but they're not taught this in school. Now, the parents teach them. My, my parents know, you know, excuse me, my, my parents served in the military, so I knew that my parents served. My children know I served in the military, but unless you were with them during the time they were serving outside of, you know, when, I, when my dad served, I was, um, I was born in Fort Benning, Georgia, but he got out of the military when I was five. So I don't have a memory of my dad's life in the military. My kids, they were born after I got out of the military, so they don't have a life understanding of me spending three and a half years overseas. They see some medals, and they see an American flag in the shadow box. But to them, they just they don't fully understand because you have to sometimes experience it. And when we look at what our kids are subjected to, as Joe Collins had mentioned to, about homosexuality and transgender, our children are being introduced to this. How disgusting is that? A child should not be engaged with pornography or any form of, like, just, you know, tr trying to question their uh, sexuality. I mean, you know, 
hey, if, if a human being chooses for something for themselves, I support that 100%. That's between them and God. That, that will always be my stance. I don't try to tell people what to do. But when you try to infiltrate a child's mind, I look at that as a form of abuse. I don't think that there's anything more disgusting in the world than trying to infiltrate the young mind of a child by the indoctrination of pornography. And that's exactly what I call it. I, I find it thoroughly disgusting. It goes against all biblical principles that I stand for. However, whatever you choose is your business, and I'm okay with that. But to have the educational system indoctrinate our children, that is not important. That's not going to help our children compete globally with someone's sexual orientation is. Uh, but as we know, the LBDGQ, the gay, the homos, the homosexuals, or what have you, have become a big voting block. And unfortunately, politicians have bend uh, their moral integrity for political wins. And that's why I'm glad that we have people like Joe Collins, Tom Norton, and other people that are running for Congress that have values, has moral integrity, that wants to serve the public good. As we talked about with Joe earlier, Joe didn't say, I'll wait to get to Congress to solve the problems. Joe says, I'm going to tackle these problems right now, put his team together. What do we need to do now? Now, see, that's leadership. That's leadership. And even in my local, uh, my local town, I started asking the question, what should we be looking for, my local show, what should we be looking for an elected official for council? And, you know, Joe is the example. These are the type of public servants that we need to look for that demonstrate the ability and will to serve prior to getting an office and not begging people to get in office and say, oh, wait till I get there and then forget. He's on the, on the front line demonstrating that today, as most of our candidates that are Republicans, that are conservative, that are American patriots are doing the same thing. And I'm looking for a big windfall of Republicans and the conservative movement that are getting in the White House in 2020. Yeah, I agree. Michael, did I lose you? In the... I'm sorry about that. Hold on. Yeah, no, I said another thing we have to be aware of is that we have to be aware of that, you know, the things that are happening in this country affect the American people in a drastic way. So we just have to be aware. I think that's what this show is all about, the Michael and Chauncey show. You can contribute at Patreon.com. And also, one side note, that we did mention the, the trade agreement with China and Mexico did go through today, um, through the Senate finally. But the other day we, we did not talk about, I want to just add this really quickly, the Trump-China trade deal was a big victory for the United States. It's something that uh, we've been waiting for for such a long period of time. But some of the major components, I just want to go over this, are China commits to buy more U.S. crops and products. I think that's a great thing. China agrees to crack down on patents that force technology transfers. We live in a world where intellectual property is stolen uh, on a daily basis, and that's not helpful to the American uh, business owner and small entrepreneurs who may be trying to have uh, confidential information, and when China and Russia is stealing that, that's not helpful. So the fact that I would like to see them actually follow through on that, if they can follow through on that, I think that will be a great thing for the American business owner and something that I fully support 100%. Also, U.S. China declares a truce on exchange rates an interest rate battle. So that's important. And then lastly, the major component, China opens the financial markets to U.S. firms. So now uh, the United States investment firms have ability to access their resources. Michael, I want to say thank you very much for hosting this with me. I want to say a big thank for Tom Norton and Joe Collins. This is the Michael and Chauncey always right, never left. Have people on the ground telling the truth and wanting to serve the American people. You can follow us every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 o'clock on the Michael and Chauncey Show. Please join us on Facebook at the Michael and Chauncey Show, also on Twitter at Little Today USA. Also, you can find Michael Bloomberg live at Twitter. Also, you can find Talk Radio, Conservative Talk Radio on Twitter and Conservative Talk Radio on Facebook. We thank you all for joining us today. God bless America. God bless our president. 
and God bless you all. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning in to The Michael and Chauncey Show. Please follow us on Twitter at Liberty Today USA. You can also contribute to the show on Patreon. 